Chapter 27 of Famous Men of Greece. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Famous Men of Greece by John Heron and A.B. Poland. Chapter 27 Demosthenes Roman numeral 1 In the city of Athens, about 25 years after the Peloponnesian War, there lived a delicate boy named Demosthenes. His father was a manufacturer of swords and made a great deal of money. But when Demosthenes was only seven years old, his father died. Guardians had charge of his property for ten years. They robbed the boy of part of his fortune and managed the rest so badly that Demosthenes could not go to school to the best teachers in Athens because he had not money enough to pay them. One day, when he was sixteen years old, a great trial was going on at Athens and he strolled into the court. There were fifteen hundred and one die-casts, or, as we call them, jurymen, in their seats and the court was crowded with citizens who, like Demosthenes, had gone in from curiosity. A lawyer named Callistratus was speaking. He did not finish his speech for nearly four hours, but no one left the court until he ceased to speak. Then hundreds of people went out and hurried home. Demosthenes waited to see the end. When each of the jurymen had thrown a voting pebble into a basket, the clerk of the court counted the pebbles and told the result. Callistratus had won the case. Demosthenes went home determined to become a lawyer and public speaker. In one year from that time, he brought suit against his guardians, delivered four orations against them, and won his case. He recovered a large part of the property which his father had left to his mother and himself. After this, he entered public life, but the first time he made a speech in the public assembly, it was a complete failure. He stammered and could not speak loud enough, and in trying to do so, he made odd faces. People laughed at him, and even his friends told him that he could never be a speaker. So he went home greatly cast down. Then an actor, who was a great friend of his family, went to see him and encouraged him. He asked Demosthenes to read to him some passages of poetry. Then the actor recited the same passages. The verses now seemed to have new meaning and beauty. The actor pronounced the words as if he felt them. The tones of his voice were clear and pleasant, and his gestures were graceful. Demosthenes was charmed. You can learn to speak just as well as I do, said the actor, if you are willing to work patiently. Do not be discouraged, but conquer your difficulties. I will, said Demosthenes, and he did. It is said that to improve his voice he spoke with stones in his mouth, and to become accustomed to the noise and confusion of the public assembly, he went to the seashore and recited there amid the roar of the waves. To overcome his habit of lifting one shoulder above the other, he suspended a sword, so that the point would prick his shoulder as he raised it. He built an underground room in which he could study without interruption and practice speaking without disturbing anyone. 
He had one side of his head shaved so that he would be ashamed to leave this retreat. Then he remained there for months at a time engaged in study. One thing that he did while there was to copy eight times the speeches in the famous history of Thucydides. This was to teach him to use the most fitting language. Besides all this, he took lessons of an excellent speaker named Isius, who taught declamation. In this way, the awkward boy who had been laughed out of the assembly became in time the greatest orator of Athens. Not only was Demosthenes a graceful orator, but he was wise and patriotic. He soon acquired great influence in Athens and became one of the ten official orators. At this time, Philip of Macedon had organized a strong army and was beginning those conquests which in the end made him master of Greece. Demosthenes, from the first, regarded him with suspicion, but said nothing until convinced that Philip was threatening the liberty of Athens and of all Greece. Then he urged the Athenians to fight against Philip as their forefathers had fought against the Persians at Marathon, at Salamis, and at Plataea. Philip, he said, is weak because he is selfish and unjust. He is strong only because he is energetic. Let us be equally energetic, and being unselfish and just, we shall triumph. Philip's victory at Chaeronea completely disheartened the Athenians and Demosthenes had to use all the power of his eloquence to rouse them. In his speeches, he showed how the success of Philip and the failure of Athens were not due to the advisers of the people or to the generals who led their army, but to the Athenians themselves. You idle away your time, said he, going into barbers' shops and asking what news today, while Philip is gathering forces with which to crush you and the rest of Greece with you. Philip tried to bribe Demosthenes, but the orator was absolutely incorruptible, and to the end of his life he raised his voice and used his influence for the cause of freedom against both Philip and Alexander. He delivered twelve orations on this subject. Three of these orations were specially directed against Philip and are known as the Philippics. They are so bitter in their denunciation of Philip that today any speech which is very bitter and severe against a man or a party is called a Philippic. The most famous speech that Demosthenes ever made was in defense of himself and is known as the speech on the crown. He had advised the Athenians to unite with the Thebans against Philip. His advice was followed and a victory was won. The Athenians were so much pleased that it was proposed to crown Demosthenes with a golden wreath at one of the great festivals. Now this proposal had to be voted on by the people, and some of Demosthenes' enemies objected. If the people refused to vote the crown, it would have meant disgrace for Demosthenes, and so he was obliged to go before the assembly to speak in defense of himself, and to show that his advice to his countrymen had been correct. It was true that the Athenians had not been able to destroy Philip's power, or free the states of Greece from his control. But, said Demosthenes, I insist that even if it had been known beforehand to all the world that Philip would succeed and that we should fail, not even then ought Athens to have taken any other course if she had any regard for her own glory or for her past or for the ages to come. By this he meant that it was the duty of her people to fight for what they believed to be right, even if in the very beginning they had known that they could not succeed.
Grander words than these never fell from human lips, and when the vote was taken, the people decided that he should receive the crown. Roman numeral two. When news reached Athens of the murder of Philip, Demosthenes rejoiced and placed a wreath upon his head, as if he were at a feast. He even persuaded the Athenians to make a thank offering to their gods. Alexander soon placed the Greek cities at his mercy. Then he demanded that Demosthenes and eight other Athenian orators should be delivered up to be punished for treason. Demosthenes told the people of Athens the story of the wolf and the sheep. Once on a time, he said, the shepherds agreed with the wolf that henceforth they should be friends. The wolf promised faithfully never again to attack the sheep, but he said he thought it would be only fair that the shepherds should cease to keep dogs. The shepherds agreed and gave up their dogs. Then the wolf ate up the sheep. The Athenians knew what Demosthenes meant and heeded the lesson. They kept their watchdogs, Demosthenes and the other orators, safely at home. Alexander at length withdrew his demand and treated the Athenians with kindness. However, this did not win the favor of Demosthenes, who continued to oppose the Macedonians at every step. After some years, one of Alexander's satraps stole a large treasure, fled to Athens, and begged for protection. Demosthenes was unjustly accused of helping him and was condemned to pay a fine. He could not pay it and so went into exile. When Alexander died, the orator returned to Athens. The Athenians sent a man of war to bring him to the Piraeus. The magistrates, the priests, and all the citizens marched out to welcome him and escort him to the city. Demosthenes now made a last effort to free Athens, but Macedonia was still strong, and Athens and those who loved her were weak. In a short time, the demand was again made that the orators be given up to be punished and Demosthenes again had to flee for his life. He sought refuge in a temple of Poseidon on an island near the coast of Greece. The sacredness of the temple ought to have protected him, but he was not allowed to escape. The captain of the soldiers who were sent to kill him told him that if he would come out of the temple, he should be pardoned. Demosthenes knew well that this promise would be broken. He asked to be allowed a few moments in which to write a letter, and his request was granted. He wrote, and then placed the end of his writing quill in his mouth. Those who were watching saw him grow pale. He tried to reach the door, but fell dead near the altar. He had taken poison which he had long carried in the end of his writing quill, for he feared that if he ever fell into the hands of the Macedonians, he would die in prison or by torture. End of chapter 27